Hello and welcome to Underqualified Thoughts. My name is Andy and right across the table from me is... Caleb. Caleb is my brother-in-law. We've been doing this for about 21 episodes now where we sit down and talk about everything from our personal lives because we are new fathers, our work lives because we are new employees of the bank, Wells Fargo, and every now and again, Caleb puts a laptop down on the table where the microphone is. Let me know if you can hear that. But what I actually meant to say is every now and again, we interview people. And the person we are interviewing today is none other than Dan. Dan, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. So, here's a good intro for Dan. I'm, I'm, you're going to hear it for the first time. You're going to hear it for the first time. It's going to be great. If we had a Mount Rushmore fans, Dan would be included alongside Kendall, Caleb's mom, and a fourth fan whenever we get one. Dan is our second guest on the podcast, but the first one to invite himself. Dan is a New Jerseyan by birth, but a North, Carolina, North Carolinian by choice. Dan is an accountant by day and a seminary student by night. And last but not least, Dan likes to be refer likes to refer to himself in the third person to annoy me. That is very interesting. We're so happy to have you today. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. I I had another line in my intro and it's gone. The other one, there was gonna be a compliment in the intro. Dan is the person who cooked most the most meals for Kate and I while we were adjusting to Lily on the meal train. That is fat. This is exactly what we talked about last week. Exactly what we talked Well, we haven't released that podcast yet. <laughs> you haven't released it yet? No, we haven't released it. Oh, wow. But just talking about episode. the uh, stereotypes turned on their heads. Yep. Because yeah. McKamey, I, spe- I specified that he was the most to bring us meals. Because McKamey, your wife, for the uneducated, brought us three meals, all frozen, just like dropped them off at once. And we just like went through them when we went through them. Dan, on three separate occasions, cooked for us and brought those foods to us. Hot and ready. Hot and ready. So, not to say that they're any worse or any better, just that it was three separate occasions Mm -hmm. versus three and one. Impressive. What a man. What a man. It is a pleasure to serve. There you go. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to serve. Have you ever worked for Chick-fil-A? No, I haven't, but I wish I could, you know, life goals, but... (laughs) You know, I don't want to take a job like that, make people too envious of my life or anything. Right. That everything is your pleasure. Exactly. Um, So I think a good thing, just to set some context here, is how does Dan know us? So we'll go with the more brief one. Caleb and Dan, how do you know each other? Well, I would say that it's interesting because Caleb put his phone number out in a previous podcast episode. So, of course... Go back and listen if you want. Of course, I had to take this opportunity to uh, to uh, have some fun. So Andy told me that they were coming up here for the baby shower of Caleb and McKamey's new child. And so I texted Caleb and I said, it's a great day for a baby shower, isn't it? Just right out of the blue. Yeah, um, a little bit creepy. <laughs> I, I definitely didn't immediately context that to the podcast and giving my number out to people, but... The best was we, you, I have to say we and specify who now because we got three people. Caleb, you and I were sitting in your kitchen and I had. Yeah, the timing was impeccable. I, well, the timing was impeccable because I told Dan to do it. I told him to do it earlier in the day. And then when we, when I got here, I texted him and said, had you texted Caleb yet? And he was like, oh, no, I haven't. And then he sent it. That's brilliant. So do you remember what episode that was? You did have multiple. I don't. It's, um,. If, I would say it's from the first season. You probably. do not get to go back and scrub <laughs> that episode, Caleb. <laughs> That's funny. Well, here we are. That's how we know each other. Uh, ever since then, we've texted like five times. Uh, one and one reference about Nelson Youngblood. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you say he lives? Nelson lives in Japan. Nelson is a full-time missionary in Japan. He was a career military person who was stationed there for many years while he was in the service. And then he went back. And has worked with the churches there for about 15 years. And so, wow. as we don't like to give last names out on the episode, as you haven't heard Dan's yet, but this Nelson is important because he is a Nelson Youngblood, just like Caleb is a Caleb Youngblood. I don't even know Dan's last name. Exactly. Maybe, maybe you never will. Yeah, yeah that, he, in my phone, he's just Dan. <laughs> well, that's because I don't have a last name. I'm like, Cher. It's just yeah. Dan. <laughs> yeah. Or to contextualize it for you, you know, Beyonce. Rihanna. I understand now, completely. You're telling me you didn't know who Cher was? No. Wow. 
No. I'm telling you, this guy has more references than I think we know what to do with. Yeah. Now I feel old, even though I'm actually, I think, younger than both of you. How old are you? 27. I'm 25. Oh, okay. In my mind, yeah. Caleb's still like 22. Because <laughs> yeah. when Caleb right. moved, when Caleb uh, emigrated from Texas, uh, or immigrated, whichever one it is, um, you were the youngest one, and I was, you had like just graduated college. So I was shocked by how young you were. Mm-hmm. And so every birthday that's passed, I think the first birthday... Um, I guess Caleb was 22 and he had actually turned 23 and so ever, ever since then whenever it's Caleb's birthday I'm like so what are you turning 22 this year? Good running joke. I think I'm always going to be younger than you. As far as we know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Crazier things have been, have been done. Depends on uh, I guess how you want to view time and physics and all of that but I am not smart enough to discuss that. I'll leave that to We're the all Rachel's. Un- Rachel. We're all, here we go. Call Rachel. <laughs> We're all underqualified to talk about that. And that's funny to then tie in Dan and I's relationship. Rachel, he's talking about Rachel from church. Um, as you've heard, she's, we, we hold the title of savant to Caitlin, but we need to come up with another title with just how much of a genius Rachel is. Um, but Dan and I know each other. Dan has just celebrated one year in Charlotte. So this is his one year of being a North Carolinian by choice. Um, and it was he moved here right when Caitlin and I came back from Roanoke. Which I don't think we've talked about on the podcast. That's a whole another thing for another day. But when we moved back to the city, Dan had probably just moved here. And Dan went to... I met him... Our young adults Bible study. It was like the icebreaker question was like, "What is one skill that you want to learn, or one what is one thing that you want to do that you've never done before, and or just get better at in general?" And Dan had mentioned he wanted to get better at rock climbing, and so as soon as the event ended, I walked right up over to him and was like, "I'm gonna go rock climbing. You come too. I'll help you get better." And that's how our friendship. So started. you've been going. I haven't been. Uh, largely, that's because I've been working and in school. Uh, I'm on a two-month hiatus right now, so it's definitely on my list of goals. I wrote down my list of goals for the summer uh, just yesterday. All the things I feel I'm underqualified in that I'd like to become qualified in. You two, uh, Caleb's smirking at me, and I'm shaking my head at him because now I've realized I'm in a room of two people who write down goals, and then there's me. This is this is brilliant over here. So, um, what are your goals? Well, first of all, I'll say that probably the difference is Caleb, after he writes down his goals, probably actually goes back and looks at his goals. Mine tend to be on the piece of paper. I say I'm going to look at them, and then I never do. Your last goal is throw away this piece of paper. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, now my first goal is to actually make copies and put it in so many places that I can't possibly ignore it. Dude, classic. Just write on the mirror. Sticky notes on the mirror. Can never get away from it. Interesting. I could nail it to my roommate's door. You could. It wouldn't be the first thing I put on his door this week. <laughs> uh. Oh, so my goal is to answer you your go. question. So, uh, to read more just on my own, because when you work all day and then you're doing papers all night for school, even when you have the time, you don't really want to read for fun. Or even if you want to, you just don't have the energy. So that's a big one. Getting back into rock climbing... Uh, getting myself in better shape in general, and I'm trying to think. There are a bunch of goals, and I wrote down so many. I'm forgetting like half of them. But no, Caleb, don't get too crazy here. If you've noticed, Dan's goals aren't measurable, but that's okay. We, they don't have to be quantitative. What they can be it, qualitative. Um, specific, measurable. Uh, what's the, oh, e the smart goals. goals? Yeah, the smart. Specific, yeah. measurable, attainable, attainable realistic, timely. Timely, yeah. So he do, he does know them. He's he's I'm sure he built that in. Did you build it in? Did I build it in? I need to. <laughs> this is the first round. This is not the final. This draft. is the rough draft of the goals. This hey, is the rough that's draft. Fine. That's fine. This is that's me writing throughout the day at work when they would come. Whenever to me. the oh yeah, when they pop into your head. And I will say just for the record, I'm not much of a numbers guy, especially in comparison to the rest of the family. But yeah, you work at a bank now. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So, and which is going good, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, so I the problem is I don't really do numbers. That's more of my wife's and Caitlin's and the family's thing. I just do believe that goals have to be very 
attuned to something that you can measure? If not, what are you doing? I would say you you, you do intensely practical numbers. Because like they're, what you're referring to is, yes, Ben does practical numbers because he's an engineer. Pam was a doctor. I don't care if she calls herself a nurse. She's a doctor. Yeah. Um, so she had a practical use of numbers there. But Caitlin and McKamey are textbook numbers. Yeah. Cause Which is funny when they're taking a class called theoretical math in college. It's like, what? okay. <laughs> exactly. And, and actually, that's where, when you say, what's the point of goals without them being attainable or numbered, I'm like, what's the point of math when it's theoretical? <laughs> and actually, there is one goal, now that I think about it, that was actually, uh, I actually did come up with numbers for. And go. I just... My goal is just at the end of the two months to have obtained reading with the reading to do two fiction and one nonfiction book. Okay. That's a short Outside of school? Um, yeah. Like whatever you're reading for a seminar and whatnot? Yeah. Actually, my goal is to specifically not have them be theological because I've gotten enough of that over the past couple months. Understandable. So what is your job? An accountant by day, a seminary student by night. Oh, was that at the beginning? Yes, yes, that was in the intro. And a fun, uh, <laughs> a fun plug is that, unbeknownst to you and anyone listening, Dan was on the job search at the same time we were on the job search. But he did it much more efficient than we did. Like, you were job searching for, like, a month max. Uh, between I was between jobs total for a month, so I think it was a full, what, three weeks that I was between when I started and when I actually had signed the contract for my next job see that shows where the the need is right now in the market yeah well as always as you just spent as we just spent about five minutes dissecting about how we're not numbers people dan's an accountant he's a numbers person there you go. <laughs> gotta hire him <laughs> yeah accounts really aren't numbers people though oh no, i don't want to hear well when when i say numbers people i mean random people will come up to you when you tell them you're an accountant and say oh you know what's 364 times 179, and I'm like, do you have a calculator handy? I can tell you if you have a calculator Do you have an handy. Excel sheet I can put that in? Exactly. Yeah. Or speaking into Google and asking it, literally anything but mental math. So is it just understanding procedure? Yes. It's procedure and it's critical thinking. It's almost like you've got a jigsaw puzzle, except you don't entirely know what the pieces are until you actually go to start the puzzle. You have to find your own pieces and just eventually get them to fit together. Interesting. So, offline, in Dan and I's, you know, real human friendship, we've made a lot of jokes about accountants and how they have no personalities. But how do you actually feel about being an accountant and knowing that there are all those stereotypes with them? They're... Like anything else, I guess there's a grain of truth to it, but it's not a universal. Some accountants I've met have got the most personality out of like almost anybody I've met, and some are some of the most bland people on the planet. Yeah, I think you told me a story about one lady who was like basically like a human rice cake. Just bland, no flavor, stereotype Oof. of a accountant. What an idea. And then Dan is somewhere on the spectrum of that, like, you know, he's intelligent. And he's able to have a conversation. And not all of his goals are smart. <laughs> so he's not a robot. No, some of my goals are dumb, and that's not an acronym. <laughs> They're just dumb. It's just what they are. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I like it. So, there are many things that Dan wants to talk about on this episode. Some of them we've already touched on, like uh, Charlotte and Seminary, which we'll go into more. But the thing that Dan has put highest on his list which you don't even know about, Caleb, is what Dan's current passion is. Yes. Something that he has felt very underqualified for as he's gotten deeper into the passion and farther along the journey. Yes, and I felt qualified at first, but certain there are different levels of this. So some are very easy, some are very difficult. So I have a goal, and I'm there's a whole club for this of which I am a member, that uh, I'm trying to uh, reach the highest point in each state. So, oh wow! Whether it's the highest point in North Carolina, which I have done, the highest point in New Mexico, which I have failed to do, or the highest point in Alaska, which I've never tried. 
So, what is the highest high point and the lowest high point? The highest high point is Denali in Alaska. Mount McKinley, for those of you who haven't looked at a map since 2010. <laughs> What's the elevation? It is 20,000 and some change. So, it's like four miles above sea level. Exactly. And... Fun fact, if I can give a fun fact here, because that's what I'm good at. Oh, yes. Yeah, so when you actually measure its vertical from base to peak, it's the highest uh, above-the-ocean mountain in the entire world. It's the tallest. Mount Everest is only like a measly like 12,000 feet when you actually measure it from base to peak, but Mount McKinley, Denali, is 17,000. So is Everest the highest because it's already so far above sea level? Yeah, because okay. it starts at 17,000. The valley's at 17,000. I did not know that. And neither one's the furthest from the center of the Earth. We can't get you on these fun facts yet. This is something you're yeah. overqualified for. Yeah, exactly. So what is the lowest high point in the U.S.? Britain Hill in Florida at 345 feet. <laughs> so how many have you conquered? 20 with a goal to do five more by the end of the year. <clears throat> and you said that you did try to do New Mexico, but you didn't do the actual mountain? I started and I got altitude six. So I had to turn back. And then I was going to do it again this year, but due to ice and snow and avalanche danger, I didn't even try. I decided I wasn't ready to die just yet. Well, maybe on the last one. Exactly. Well, <clears throat> Denali's the last one, so. Oh, dude, that'll be a journey and a half. All right, so let's talk about the home state, the homeland of Texas. What's the high point there? First off, Caleb, do you know? Do you have a guess? I have a guess. Um, it's probably inaccurate. It's got to be in West Texas, and it's got to be, like, on the side of where New Mexico is, but I don't know what it would be. So far, so good. So if you know anything about Texas geography, which I've never quizzed you on Texas geography... <laughs> It is... Uh, <laughs> Caleb looks so concerned. You're going to know more about Texas yeah, geography than yeah, yeah. This is accurate. So, Caleb goes, I was born and raised in Tyler. That's it. <laughs> so, there's a national park in West Texas that shares its name with the high point. Is it Big, Big Bend? Bend? No. <laughs> we tried. That would be great. Um, the, the other one in Texas. The other one. I only know about Big Bend. Can you give me, like, a region? Like, near El Paso. Say, oh, I've never been out that way. two hours... East of El Paso? Is it um, out there with the hands? The hands. This is fun. Darren gets to realize how <laughs> Caleb is so confident when he describes something. Um, just the, basically the way we understand in our brain and then you translate to someone. Caleb just says what he thinks in his brain and assumes we I, know. Uh, I, I can't think yeah. of the name of it. What is it called? Uh, Guadalupe Peak. Uh, yeah, okay. Guadalupe Peak's also the national park there. I was so hoping you were going to say, like, yeah, the hands, that's it. What are these hands you're talking about? It might be in Arizona. I don't know the name of it. We'll have to look at it. I can look it up while y'all chat. The hands. The hands. So that's Caleb's homeland. Yes. Um, what, what, when did you start this? How many years have you been going on this? Uh, so technically it's been since my junior year of high school. But Date was yourself. When was that? I wasn't starting... I didn't start this goal, then. that's just when I did the first one. Which So you had, like, was, so was that the only one you accidentally did, and then you got hooked? Or? I did three, and then I got hooked. And so you just did those three because you just like being outdoors and exploring? Yes. Well, one of them I knew was the high point. It was New Jersey, but I wasn't trying to do all of them. It's One, it's very accessible. Two, it's Your home my home state. And then I did... Uh, I did Katahdin in Maine first, my junior year of high school, which would have been 2012, yes, because it was the year of Hurricane Sandy, mm -hmm. and then I did... Alright, to quickly pause, the hands that Caleb is talking about doesn't look like a hand, it looks like one of, the, it's one of those famous rock features in, was that Moab, Utah? No, it was Arizona. Oh, Arizona. Is that Monument Valley? Yes. Oh, that one, yeah. Yep. Yes. Left Mitten Rock Formation. Oh, nice. Well... If anything, it's one hand, and you said hands. There's, um, like, several of them. Oh, yeah, it's Monument Valley. There's a ton of them. All right. All right. So, I forget where I was. Uh, you were talking about, you said you did the high point in Jersey just because you lived there. You did the one in Maine just because, and then what was the third one you did before oh, you started? Uh, Mount Rogers in, not your 
birth state, but I guess more or less your home state of Virginia. The state I've spent the most time yeah. in. Which I did with a mutual friend of ours in college, Mr. Luke, Luke Prothero. Luke. Yes. Hey, no last names. Mr. Luke, insert last name here. So, um, question. You have to go to the top of these, right? Yes. Well, it is the high point. Yeah, so... I'm taking it it's challenging to get to the top of some of them. Some of them, yes. <laughs> you and heard what happened them, in New Mexico. <laughs> some of them are challenging for a whole different reason. Like, West Virginia, the road is... It's an old mining road that's no longer really used by the mine. Um, so, my car, even though it's a Jeep, got stuck. Not because I not because I didn't have the drive to make it up. Not that Jeep. It was a different one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Dan's on his second Jeep since I've known And just so everyone knows, I, I looked outside to see this Jeep thing, <laughs> and it's like a... You know what I mean. Uh, Caleb says it's a fancy Jeep. It's not yeah, one of the it's a, actual it's like the fancy Jeeps. Jeep. Like, I just couldn't imagine... That. You had a Grand Cherokee before this, right? No, I had a Patriot. Patriot there you go. It does not have four-wheel drive. This is a Renegade, which does. There you go. So, so this is better? Looks can be deceiving, yeah, Caleb. Okay. So okay. I wouldn't call this it's, fancy because I can actually make it up roads. But just because the road was so worn away um, in West Virginia, I actually... Actually, it was Kentucky, not West Virginia, so... Let me backtrack on that. But in Kentucky, I actually got stuck just because the road's so worn away. Like, I physically, my wheels got stuck in the divots. <laughs> That's wild. Interesting. Even though okay, I had how'd you get, Did you just, like, sh- shove some wood on your tires and get out or, or underneath your tires? Uh, I just put on the accelerator and just kept going until I got out. Which is not always the smartest way to handle it, but that's a way if it works. That's a way to guarantee that you are or are not getting out. Yeah. <laughs> like those are the only two options. This is true. Yeah. Which in that case it guaranteed I got out. Um, so should I talk about the one in Oklahoma and what happened there? Um sure, I've no clue. Have you told me about this? Yes I have. Alright, I do not remember. Okay. Black Mesa in Oklahoma, it's mostly flat at the beginning and it's also a state grazing land. So you mean the state or like the trail to get to the high point? The trail, okay. yeah, is, it's a state grazing land. So there's cows that are just grazing. So one of them decided to charge me while I was on the trail. Mm. Oh, I do remember this story. Yes, you do remember this. Apparently my hiking poles look like cattle prods, so they took it as a threat. <laughs> there we go. So yeah. So thankfully the cow backed off when it got about six inches away from my face. <laughs> Was it going, like, full speed? Not full speed, but it was kind of doing the, you know, sort of jumping up and down, not just running at you, Oof. like, sort of running. So, like, the cow was about to tip you, you were not about to tip the cow? Exactly. So, talk to us about the underqualified nature of this project. Because everything we've heard, you sound super qualified. <laughs> it sounds super qualified. Not to mention, I wanted to bring this up, another area you're overqualified. Dan created a Wikipedia page for high-pointing. Was it about the person who first did it? Yeah, Arthur H. Marshall, the guy who first created it. So if you want to Google Arthur H. Marshall, there will be a Wikipedia page, and the author is none other than Dan. But I guess I was underqualified because the Wikipedia editors took out about half of the data I wrote. (laughs) Even though it was true, I guess they thought it wasn't relevant, quote-unquote. Boo. You cited your sources. Stand up to them. Exactly. Next time they ask for donations, whenever you log in, you'll be like, I will not, because you took out half of my work. Exactly. That's not the only edit of mine they've taken out either. I feel so underqualified. No, you edit Wikipedia too much to be underqualified in that area. I actually don't edit it as much as I would like, but... <laughs> wow. Okay. This is... I'm reading it right now. This is very interesting. So, is it Wikipedia? Did they just edit it over the course of a couple months? No, one guy just took out about half of my material. Because there's this girl named Caroline Hine Ooh. that uh, recently added the birth date. Very nice. Dude, that's... I just assume Wikipedia is gospel, but it's so interesting to like learn that it's like, actually like a community forum, more yeah. or less. There is? Because, well, even if it's, it's a more accurate... Even if it's accurate, what's relevant is another thing. So, there are some feuds... And I have also, I did also get a one month ban from Wikipedia for deliberately adding in not untruthful but information I knew wasn't relevant and that I didn't cite. <laughs> so 
a friend, another friend of ours, and his brother, um, John, and his brother Eric. No last names. There you go. Um, I in their hometown, no place mentioned. <laughs> uh, I kept editing them as notable members of the town, and it kept getting taken off. <laughs> hey, those men are notable members indeed. Um, I guess to answer your original question, Andrew. Oh, actually, it's Caleb's. Oh, Caleb. So, yes, Andrew, why? Caleb just looked at me and mouthed Andrew. Yes, Andrew is my full name. Daniel is his full name. Caleb is the only one who goes by his yeah. full mm-hmm. name here. I Andrew. actually don't mind going by my full name. I just generally don't. <laughs> I mind. I mind less as I've gotten older, but eh, whatever. It's my real name. What am I going to do? All right, you're underqualified. It's, a, it's, a name. it's the only one I have in my life. Another movie reference that's probably going over your head. So Dan makes movie references all the time, and right before we sat down, I looked at Dan and said, if you just make a bunch of movie references, Caleb and I aren't going to get them, but maybe you'll win the fans The fans over. I almost went singular when I repeated it, but I was like, no, <laughs> we got Kendall, we got Caleb's mom, and we got Dan. And the guy from Belgium. Or Mexico. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. They need to email us if they actually are. If not, if they're just using VPNs, I get it. They want to be safe. All right. Caleb, full name Caleb, asked if you, where you feel underqualified in this. Okay. So as I said with New Mexico, uh, and this isn't the only time it's happened. There's been a couple times when I've tried to actually do them and I've had to turn back for various reasons. The first time I did the one in South Carolina... It was a day much like today, about 90 degrees and humid, and I had to turn away because I got heat stroke. Well, heat exhaustion. Heat stroke is a bit melodramatic. Is that just the next level? Yes. Heat exhaustion is where you have the effects and it's really wearing on your body, but you can still walk. Heat stroke is when you're pretty much more or less incapacitated. Yeah. You have the highest level of heat. Yeah. Torture. And then, uh, yeah, New Mexico, I had to turn back like I said um, Colorado I had to cancel last year because of my knee I had a torn meniscus and then there's been various other hikes that I've had to cancel at different times for various reasons or turn back on so is there any um, is it then all physical where you feel underqualified or is there like a mental side to it too it is a little bit of both there's been times when I've just like When the physical difficulties start, I'm like, I could toughen it out, but I always ask myself, I'm like, do I want to? Do I want to risk it? Does future, is future Dan going to be happy that present Dan is making this decision? Yes. You know, it's really weird when you refer to me in the third person like that. Get out of here. Stop it. Stop it. You heard it. People know in the intro. Get out of here. Well, I think I already used it once myself. Wow. So that's um, quite an undertaking. Do you have like a date by which you want to get all this done because if you just say your life you don't i mean five years five years caleb goes make it measurable (laughs) 2020 originally it was 2026 was the year but it's now five years from now because i set the five-year goal in 2021 but i pushed it back so like i said i hope to get five more by this year at least three of them Actually, at least four of them will be um, achieved, but a fifth one we'll see. And what the fifth one is, we'll also see. Are you, like, aligning your schedule based on the weather and just based on, like, for example, doing Denali in the winter seems yeah a little bit creepy. I mean, there's only... Well, not creepy, just a little bit. There's only, I want to say... <laughs> snow vibes. Yeah. Snowland vibes. Yeah. There's only, I want to say, four people that have done these in the winter. Like, all 50 in the winter. Oh. And, uh... These are some, all, some these are like, all club members? Yeah, some like Florida, which is flat and very warm, even in the middle of, you know, February, January, mm-hmm. is no problem. Something like Denali or the Montana. high point of Wyoming in Montana, which are dangerous for snow storms, even in the middle of the summer... And the winter are even more dangerous and are much more dangerous for avalanche. There's So there's levels to this high-pointing thing. It's not just do everything once. It's do everything in the summer, do everything in the winter, do everything in the walking backwards up yeah. the whole trail. 
So, but you can solo. drive to the top of like. Is Pikes Peak the highest in Colorado? It is not. What is? Uh, Mount Elbert. <laughs> what is the height difference? It's only about three hundred feet. So there's over <laughs> there's over fifty. Or is it 48? You need to communicate with your words. Yeah, there's no. There's plus or minus. <laughs> Some tectonic plates shifted <laughs> yeah. or something. There's 50 14ers in Colorado, plus or minus three in either <laughs> <Caleb>. direction. <laughs> By the way, not only does Caleb need to learn how to communicate a shock with words, because he just raises his eyebrows and widens his eyes really big, but now he's pulling out his phone to fact check Dan. <laughs> I'm just checking. Caleb, you need to be added to the Dan Fun Facts text <laughs> thread should. and you would learn to blindly trust him. Yeah. Or I should say plus or minus four. I'm going to say plus or minus four from the 50. But the difference mm-hmm. between those 50-something is only about 450 feet. So, I mean, you have to hike that thing. Yeah. I have hiked Pikes Peak, actually, even though you can drive it. Well, that's why I was wondering. I was like, some of them I'm sure you can drive yeah. to the top of. Yep. Yeah. Sure I, I got great altitude sickness there, but I made it to the top. <laughs> Man, that is... We could talk about this forever, but you have other things that you want to talk about as well. Yes, and you've got other things that you would like to ask or inquire. Mm, yes. Can't remember what those are. But I have a list here, so hopefully they wrote them down. Yeah. So, the next thing that you have highest priority is talking about GCU, which, to pull back in from earlier in the episode, GCU is the seminary you're going to, and where you got to meet the Honorable, at least not a judge, but the Honorable Nelson. He he was full of honor, so... There you go. And I can say after meeting him, I can say with certainty that he and Caleb are probably not related, at least not closely. Caleb will be offended. The reason he's saying this is because... Nelson is like, is, is he, he African American? Like, yes. Okay. Like black so, black. You cannot say that. <laughs> Maybe you're the one who's closest to being able to say it as half Egyptian, but so that's what basically what Caleb would say is if you were saying they're definitely not related, Caleb would want to raise his fist in the air and I will. say, and I have my reasons. He's half Egyptian. And uh, do you what? know about the Egyptians? Tell them. According to historical references, they're the first black people. Which, by the way, did you actually Google that, or did you just trust what that man um, told you? I, like, Googled it at one point, and I don't remember what it said. I don't know the veracity <laughs> of that, but I have actually heard that before. So Caleb heard it. you got to communicate these things. Caleb's just leaning in, staring at me. And hey, I don't need down. to communicate that. So Caleb heard, in a, heard that in a speech, and very classic... Because it's what he wanted to hear, he immediately agreed to it and texted like our entire family. Because we gave Caleb a hard time that he can't put his fist up because he's not black. And so Caleb made a big deal about that. And so I told him, I was like, you actually have to fact check that before you can start telling people that. I'm just happy Dan knows. (laughs) Dan might have heard the same wives tale as you. Doesn't mean it's true. I did say I can't confirm or deny the veracity. He used the word veracity. It makes yeah. it sound better. Which, in context, I now know means the truth of something. I wouldn't have known that word before. Ooh. Dan's a big word guy, if you haven't noticed. Yeah. There are bigger word guys. Sometimes, depending on who I'm around, sometimes I feel over or underqualified with my vocabulary. Oh, that's 1,000% true. Uh, Caitlin gives me a hard time. She says you have the. She tells me that I have the best vocabulary for a person who doesn't read. I think it's because my dad has a pretty good... My dad reads a lot and has a pretty good vocabulary. So there are some words that I think are normal that I've picked up from my dad that just, like, I'll say them and she's like, no. Like, it's not a normal human word. That feels like a little bit of a backhanded compliment, too. What? It's a backhanded compliment to me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Oh, yeah. Like, I own that. I don't read. I'm like the... My dad uses the word masticated all the time. I forgot what it meant. I forgot what it means because I haven't heard him say it in a while. But if he said it, I would remember because of the context he's talking I remember. What is it? Chewing. Ah, that. Yeah. Yes. See, it's just like, just say chewing, but my dad says mastication or something. Yeah. Well, you know, there's big debates about public mastication. It's big. Tell us about what it is to be a full-time accountant by day and a part-time seminarian by... I was going to say by... I said by night here... Because it's more concise, but what it really means is by night, by every second of free time, by weekend, yeah. by yeah. whenever you can. 
So I was going to make a joke and say compared to being a first-time parent, but I feel like being a first-time parent is probably worse. <laughs> yeah, um, what do we know? We've never been seminary students. We've just yeah. been first-time parents. It's true. Yeah. But of course, of course, you also get the joys of watching a child develop. I guess I do get the joys of watching my papers develop into the mature thoughts that they are. They just start out as, you know, single sentence thoughts and then they come together as, you yes. know, a final product. But that's like, that's a pastor analogy right there of drawing a, <laughs> drawing a connection to those oh, yeah. two seemingly not connectable things. Oh, yeah. Well, as a pastor, you have to be able to make plenty of good analogies, which I have always been good at, which has always helped me with sermons in the past. I like it. You gave one when you... You gave a sermon when you went back to your home. Was it your home church? Yes, in New Jersey. And I've done a couple there. Um, sometimes dressed up as somebody. A, f- a famous historical figure. Whether it was Martin Luther or other figures in the church. Do people know that? Or did you just like dress up like them and not talk about it and see who got Oh, it? no. I, I, was always, I always would introduce myself by name in the beginning of the sermon so people would know who I was. Or my pastor would introduce me as that person. As Martin Luther. The best was when I did John Knox, who is the founder of the uh, Scottish Presbyterian Church, and I wore a kilt through it, even though John Knox didn't actually wear one, and I did an accent, and speaking of being underqualified, it was supposed to be a Scottish accent, but instead it came out sounding like a very bad Irish accent. Let's hear it. On the drive up here. Dan told me he was just going to slip in and out of accents just to mess with you. And I haven't done it once yet. Well, Andy, I can't thank you enough for having me on. How's that? We, we need more sentences. We need more dialogue. Yeah, you keep going. Oh, well, you need more syntax, do ya? More context, huh? You know, back on the Emerald Isle, we uh, object to people who need to hear more about uh, these sentence structures and that sort of thing. We prefer just to, you know, do our jobs by day. Just have a nice, cold point to Guinness at night. Two thumbs up, Caleb. Uh, interesting. Maybe one. Uh, maybe one thumb. Up. One and a half. One, and one like thumb to the side. Right. One straight up. Yeah. He's got other ones to judge. Yeah. He'll slip into his accents whenever he wants. <clears throat> Feel free. His he's got a good southern drawl now for being down here for a year. Yeah. I uh, well, I'm more of a real southerner than you or Caitlin. Which and you. This is a a tangent. Dan went to the Coca-Cola 600 last weekend. Which well, I don't even know what that is. There so. you go. So it's in Concord at the Charlotte Motor Speedway because they couldn't actually fit it in Charlotte or the land was cheaper, whatever. Um, but it's in the NASCAR race. There's one NASCAR race in Charlotte every single year. Um, I've never been to a NASCAR race. I nope. presume you've never, never been. And so as soon as Dan went, I was like, you're officially more southern yeah, that's, than that's, most of the south. You brought the bullet when you go there. Oh, yeah. Well... It's a, it's a great time. It actually is. They're, even if you don't like watching racing, it's very different when you're in person. But I know next to nothing about NASCAR, but a friend of mine wanted Turn to left. go. So I went. Um, plenty of accidents, which unfortunately, in a depraved sort of way, are kind of fun to watch. <laughs> but we like destruction. I wasn't, I wasn't like most of the crowd, where when there's an accident, you actually hear them cheer and go, Yay! <laughs> But I, uh, I definitely feel, uh, I felt a little out of place there with some of the people and less out of place with others. Some people are normal people that like NASCAR and some are more of what you might think of as people who like NASCAR. So some people are like what you think an accountant is and some people are a normal person who does accounting. Exactly. You get a lot of thick southern drawls there. Ah, uh, is this better than the, uh, than the Irish? What do you say, Caleb? <laughs> yeah. Um, he also has a, a southern woman, if you want that. No, nope, uh, it's all good. It's interesting because this past week my boss was on the phone. All of my um, co-workers, except one, live in the Midwest, and I don't know, they just have a particular sound about them. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, they say a boot. So... So the boss was talking to me, and he was like, yeah, the first week or something, rather, we we could just tell that you were from the, the South. And I just kind of took that, and I was like, okay, I understand I have something Southern, but compared to many people around here, it's 
Well, it's like... Neutral, almost. It's a fish out of water. Yeah. When you're a fish in water, it's like, cool, I'm one of the fish. When you're a fish out of water, it's like flapping around on the ground. You're like, oh, that's a fish. Yeah. I had one woman in Phoenix when I was out there for school telling me that she could very, that she could very much hear my New Jersey accent. <laughs> hmm. When, yeah, when I've left the country, people peg me for the South, and I've like I've lived in Virginia, which is like the northernmost southern state. Yeah, unless you count whatever the Mason-Dixon line's like in Maryland, but yeah, I mean I can I can hear it, but I wouldn't I wouldn't you know immediately talk to you and think oh man he must be from the South. I reckon he might could be. Might could be. Are you uncomfortable by these accents? A little bit. Mm-hmm. It's always fast. Are you not a big accent person? No, I tend to like people without accents. <laughs> what, well, good thing you came to the South. Yeah. You mean you like people with their normal Yeah, voice. just normal, yeah. Well, it always fascinates me the things that make Caleb uncomfortable. Well, because there's... So there's, many, there's uh, I don't know where it was or who it was. No bad idea. I just want to leave their names on here. But every time, maybe it was back home, it's just... Dude. No. I mean, you've got... I've, had, I've had some teacher friends that yeah. they'll talk... In the entire class period, with yeah. accents. Oh yeah. Well, you've got a little bit of a Texas accent. It's not particularly thick, but I can definitely hear it. I can tell you're not from around these parts. Yeah. I would not have tell. Stranger yeah. from uh, down the road yonder. Yeah, oh yeah. These people use huh. southern directions. Yeah. Never actually a street name. Oh, you'll just go down about a couple football fields, and then you'll see the barn. Once past the barn, you'll take a left. If you've gone the grocery store, then you've gone. Or whatever they call the grocery store here. You've gone too far. Americans will measure with anything except the metric system. <laughs> yep. Uh, our father-in-law loves the joke of there are countries that use the metric system and then there are countries that have been to the moon. <laughs> or you could be like the UK or Canada where you switch between the English and metric system with no real rhyme or reason. And That's why we left. That That's the whole is, reason. Yeah, exactly. Or... You've, been, you've tried to go to the moon, and you made a mistake because your engineers didn't know the difference between metric and imperial. Yeah. Tell them. Uh, Who was that? It was um, Apollo 13. Is that the one? The engineers and... Someone correct me. Dan, you can correct me if you're listening <laughs> Dan's to Dan's right here. Um, if you're listening to this, he's right here. So, I forget which one it was, but the engineers basically didn't correspond with each other the numbers and units they were using. And that was the reason why there was issues in space causing peril. Are you thinking of the Mars uh, rover when they landed it? Because mm-hmm. that did happen with the Mars rover, but maybe it yeah, happened with was, Apollo 13 one. as yeah. well. I, I, I'll go back and double yeah. check. So, yeah. I know is Apollo, thir- Apollo 13 is the one that has the movie where they like run out of gas or yeah. something and they have to like slingshot around the yeah. moon. That's where the line Houston we have a problem comes from. See, I didn't know that. I know that line. Yeah. There's a lot of quotable things from that movie. Such as? Well, things that people don't always remember but that I just think are interesting. If they could get a washing machine to fly, my Jimmy could land it. <laughs> That's a line from the movie that always stuck out to me. That is pretty Because we'd always watch it every... I was part of a leadership course when I was in the Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. both as a participant and as a staffer, and we'd watch Apollo 13 every year as, like, the movie for leadership. And, like, it wasn't just us. Like, this wasn't what the national Boy Scouts, Boy Scouts decided we were going to watch. It was Apollo 13. There's actually a lot of commentary about how... Caleb's been, by the way... As long as Caleb has been quiet, he's been Googling things. Um, that NASA used metric system when they sent the man to the moon. So what you're telling me is that Ben's favorite line is It might relevant. be, yeah. <laughs> but we're not going to tell him that. <laughs> I bet you we would tell him and then he would know some... The, There's something else. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably like a quick Google that you did and yeah. Ben would be like... Um, after three hours of scouring the internet, uh, here's actually, actually what, yeah, that's the funniest thing about it. Um, Caitlin's pointed it out to me about how he is, a uh, on the Enneagram type, he is the investigator and it's like so thoroughly true. Like, uh, someone will tell me something and I'll just believe it and I'll like say it. And if someone challenges me, I'll just be like, Hey, I never looked it up. Someone just told me 
Ben, like, if you tell him something, he's just like Caleb is right now. His phone is out and is, like, Googling it to find mm-hmm. out if it's actually true. Do you know what number that is? Five. Five. I think it's a five. Because Caleb's four. I'm a seven. Four. Four. Look at you two visionaries. Yeah. The, uh, you probably got a wing five in you then. Yeah. Well, the uh, oh, it's also known as the individual or the romantic. And romantic meaning, like, romanticism. Like not meaning like Yeah, not meaning, like... You know, searching for love. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, type fours. The quintessential type four is somebody that you know. If you were to ask me, a friend of yours named John, no last names required. <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. Yes. He is so much so. Yeah. He just, I mean, also I think with fours, he's just, you love, you love more abstract concepts, so you love, therefore you have a deeper love for like art, whether it be movies or books or paintings or whatever. Yeah. Like, uh, do you know what my minor was in college? I do not. Art history. Art history. Love it. It's how many, good, how many credit hours? Uh, well, let's see. It was five classes, of which I took seven. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean you took two extra or you took two twice? Two extra. <laughs> you went all the way? Yeah. So, if you want to get more into underqualified, we can go back to GCU and the seminary experience. See, Unless is, you want to keep tan- going tangentially. This is great. I told Dan, I was like, we don't have an outline, or we don't have like a script of questions. We just are here for the banter and the tangents that come along. And the Andy Goes Rogue episode came and was like, you guys finally, or I finally finished the thought. That's awesome. I was like, yeah, because Caleb and I weren't distracting each other. Mm-hmm. Last episode was too short. We probably did it. And now we have... T- Maybe we should just have Dan become the producer of the show and just, like, you know, yeah. instead of, like, wrap it up or, like, tie yeah. it back together. But, yes, GCU. All right. So, even though my grades, for the most part, have been pretty good, I feel like I've been chasing grades. So, I feel like I'm not getting the most out of it that I could have, necessarily. Right. Like, you're not. It doesn't feel like... Yeah. It's like when something you love or are passionate about becomes your job. Yeah. You care more about the metrics than just, like, oh, yeah. going there, enjoying it, studying it, learning. And also, you know, it's one of those things where once you start on a formal study like that, where you're going through academia, and you're talking, especially with mine, where I'm talking with all these people, like Nelson Youngblood, who have been professional missionaries or have been military chaplains or anything else, you know, you feel like you knew a lot before, but then you uh, you feel so much, like there's so much you don't know, and... You're like, where? why didn't I learn all this, you know, ten years ago, five years ago? Right. It's like one of those things where you have a bunch of, like, you have a bunch of idealistic theories about how things should work, but then you quickly realize in the real world that's yeah. not how the real world yeah. works, so those theories aren't going to hold water. Yeah, because one thing I'm learning, too, is that, especially with GCU being a non-denominational seminary is that you get a lot of different ideas being thrown at you and so very frequently you get these things you're so confident in being challenged mm-hmm. and you not only are they being challenged but you almost feel like you don't have a good defense for your own point of view even if it's what you were so sure of and even if you thought you had a good defense you yeah. go you go from feeling like oh man I know so much I know absolutely nothing well, it's just like when you go in, uh, that definitely makes sense in that context, but also just like when you go off to college and you interact with Christians of different traditions, it's like you quickly realize what you thought. You're like, I'm living, and what I believe is based off scripture. You quickly realize, you're like, oh, I'm living off some scripture and a lot of tradition. Well, especially well with college for me, because when I came in, I wasn't a an actual Christian when I left I was so for me you know different traditions is getting I got inundated with different you know schools of thought right away and it you find a lot of things that you believe challenging because what I thought was you know faith I quickly found out was me again knowing absolutely nothing about anything (laughs) And not even understanding some relatively basic concepts. Mm-hmm. And so, seminary is not a repeat of that, but it some of the, oh, I guess, overlapping feelings can feel similar. <laughs> right. Also, when I first, you know, was in college and first became a Christian, I was approaching 
you know, where I was wrong with a little more know-it-allism. Now I feel like I'm approaching it more with that almost childlike curiosity. Of like, this is what I think I yeah. believe based off what I think scripture says rather than saying, this is what it is. Yeah. And that was great about um, being actually being out there for a week this year because I have to go out in person for a week a year is you get to actually meet these other people in person. You spend a lot of time with them. I feel like it's almost like that boot camp experience in, a, in the sense that you become very close to people much more quickly than you would in almost any other environment. Right. And or like the summer camp experience exactly. or anything. And so, you know, it's all, it's all what you can learn about what you can, you know, hear, you know, what you can hear, touch, you know, smell, taste, <laughs> you know. I never get tired of, you know, getting to learn new theological concepts through taste or smell. <laughs> Interesting. So, um, I'm assuming you're wanting to do pastorate or something of that nature long-term? Yes, but what that looks like, I'm not entirely sure either. Whether that's me being a full-time accountant and a part-time pastor, me being a full-time pastor and a part-time accountant, or just being a full-time pastor. Hmm. Cool. You had options. Are all three of those, are there any other types of ministry you're interested in, or is it just pastoral ministry so the one type of ministry i know i am not interested in is collegiate ministry at least long term and simply because i don't feel called there but were you involved at one at some point i mean i was involved in college but never as a leader like as a post college student i gotcha but that would also be a great, maybe that's exactly what I need, because it would be, you know, kind of throwing me out to uh, exactly what I don't want to do. <laughs> and then sort of having, I guess, a, almost a Jonah-like situation where you don't want to do this, so maybe it's exactly what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say that that's what I did with education, uh, being a <laughs> former teacher, but it was close. Yeah. Like, it just, it wasn't what I intended to do, but... Okay. I ended up there anyway. Well, yours was more stuff from the perspective of... I need to. You need... Yeah. Well, Ben, can I have your daughter's hand in marriage? Okay, just get a job. <laughs> job searches for a long time. All right, I'll be a teacher. Yeah, it wasn't quite obviously like that, but it was definitely a, I need a job. You know, Ben doesn't really have parameters for, for that necessarily. I think he would have still let us marry if I didn't have a job at that point. Yeah, probably. Um... But it's, the point is, are you looking for a job actively and, like, not just halfway trying to... Yeah, the point is, did you do you have a plan that you're trying to execute? And if something, does come, going your yeah, way? If something does come up, are you going to take it that you might not like? Because, I mean, we're supposed to provide. And we're not there anymore. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Now Which, you're in the exciting world of banking. Mm-hmm. Which, it's funny, this past week, it's just been so much more... Just everything is so bulleted. I mean, everything is so well outlined. Um, backup procedures we're doing aren't, but the way we get those procedures are. So it makes things just so much easier than the mess that education is in right now. Is it all education, or do you think just your school? All education. Everything is chaos? Yes. At least all of public education. I don't care if you're you know, you, you definitely can be in a mindset of, oh, my school is great. Oh, you're probably also, like, the top of your school. Or you have some sort of perspective that or makes it so... some kind of Latin day school. Yeah, like, if you're just a run-of-the-mill kid, you probably at some point will have an experience that is not good. Um, and that's just, you're dealing with a broken system. Every school is that way. I mean, private schools included, but... Um, the reason why private schools and homeschooling and, and especially religious-oriented schools are better, in my opinion, are because they're able to recognize their mistakes and have something that centers them more than just the God of education. Well, the thing about private schools, too, is you're not guaranteed, you're not guaranteed a population, so you actually have to be at least somewhat good in order to draw in students. Yep. You can't just... Be like my school where it was, you know, my way or the highway. Oh, the leadership is completely incompetent? Oh, well, that doesn't matter. They're bureaucrats and they're here for life. <laughs> well, Public school, baby. Fired. And every bureaucrat serves another. Yeah. So, I mean, not. Granted, most of them 
ended up getting fired for one reason or another. Hmm. Fun fact, the superintendent for most of the time I was in public school ended up serving four years in jail <laughs> for corruption. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, speaking of embezzlement. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of, yeah, we, we recently had a, a teacher in our community that did not so great things with the female kind. Mm. And it was. Classic. Yeah. You know how that goes. Classic depravity. Yeah. yeah. All right, Dan. I know Caleb's going to cut us off soon. Wait, five minutes? Oh, boy. So, do you want to talk more about Charlotte? I don't think we have time to talk about the hilariously chaotic mattress and box spring transfer that you and I had last weekend. Unless that's the only thing we talk about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or do you want to make us feel guilty for not liking cats? Huh? I don't know. Do you want to talk about the mattress and box spring? That could be our outro. I, I think that's a can of worms far too big for this time. <laughs> we'll go well over five minutes. Make us feel guilty about not liking cats. This yeah. podcast has been very anti-cat, so I feel like the people yeah. people want to hear it. And, and just so the record knows, I've been warming up to the previous cat, which... Tell me where your cat's been for the last week. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm warming up to the fact that she's not here. Yeah, uh, she just... I think she's out and about. Probably has another owner or something. Outdoor cats, man. I have no idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, these cats. Uh, so, I got them because I was searching online for cats. So, I was looking at shelters or different websites. And I found these cats. And then they're brother and sister. And they are what's called bonded. So, they really can't um, be separated from one another. But they were dropped off at the vet by their previous owner who even though they're perfectly healthy decided because he was moving that he was just going to have the vet put them down but the vet didn't put them down instead he called the shelter and the shelter took them in they were fostered and then last Friday they came to me and now this is their forever home well this being my residence not this residence where we're recording the podcast surprise they're in the jeep (laughs) That would be kind of cool. <laughs> well, not for you. You'd lose cats and Caleb would get two that he does not want. <laughs> exactly. No, they, but McCabe, they, they yeah. here. McCabe and Miriam would each have their own cat now. Oh, okay. And the cat that's gone would be yours. So So you like cats. Yes. So, so why didn't you have a cat before this cat? I Not cats. on my own, but I've had family cats my entire life. Between one and three, depending on the hmm. time. Tom, why are you life. giving him side eye for not and just, he didn't have. He's the one that had to go get a cat. Yeah. So Pe- did you. Mm. Cat lovers always have cats. Well, not yes. if you're a nomad like Wait, Dan has been. Is your your home screen, your lock screen has to be one of two things. Either cats or like some mountain you just climbed. Yeah, actually, if you hand me my phone there, I can show Caleb exactly what both my home and lock screen are. Yeah, The lock screen yeah. is a mountain. That's Colorado. My uncle lives in that valley below. And then my other screen is this. Notice the bridge down here. Oh, is that that place? That place, what? yes. What is that place? What I thought. The Devil's Bridge. Ah, uh, what, what state is it in? Arizona, in the town of Sedona. I've been to Sedona. Have you been to Sedona? Oh, no. Ah, great no. place. Yeah, I was there once I think before. I've been to Sedona. And actually, I, I want to get back to the cats. I can tangent on that later. <laughs> All right. Um, so these cats, because they were, they're pretty sure they were either. They're physically abused at a minimum, and they might have just been locked in a small room their whole life. So, they are afraid of everything. Everything. I'll give you an example. I took out a piece of string the other day to play with them, which is a normal cat thing. The one cat, the girl, she was so happy to play with it, and she was so playful. The male cat he hid under the bed. (laughs) This is very interesting. And then I took out a book with a nice sharp corner because cats love to rub their faces on sharp stuff for whatever reason. Because they're Satan's pet. Yeah, exactly. And so the boy loved it and the girl hid under the bed. So anything they both enjoy or both hate? Uh, Food. They both enjoy food. I could have, I could, I could run into the room as long as they know I've got food in my hand. They are not going to back away. Anything they both love, they both love having their bellies rub anything they both hate pretty much any 
sort of sudden movement at all, even if it's really not, or any big thing in my hand. I try so if you're holding a tennis racket, they're yeah. not okay. Yeah, well. Or yeah. shall we say a pickleball paddle. It's good. To make it more contextualized yeah. for you, Caleb. And all the city dwellers. Like, I brought in... What did I bring in the other day? I brought... Oh, I brought in some clothes I had in my hand. And I, uh... And uh, I got scared. Uh, Thursday morning, I got out out of bed and I got up kind of fast. They're both sitting by the windowsill. They zoomed under the bed. Are these kittens or cats? Cats. They're ten. Oh, man. So... So they're definitely... Yeah. Yeah, they're not just young. But... They are, at the same time, they are so needy for attention. They love attention. They don't really, they don't really had it before. From basically what the foster told me is that they just don't know how to be cats. They, they just get nervous with anything they don't know. So, but once they are comfortable with something, it's the greatest thing in the world. And I don't really have any behavioral issues with them. And like I said, they're either afraid... Or they're very loving. They are never aggressive, and they are never, like, indifferent. They are very much not what people who hate cats think of as cats at all, Andy. (laughs) All I'm saying is if the best compliment that you can give a cat is that it's like a dog, just get a dog. No, no, it's like a dog, but doesn't act like a dog. They don't, I, I don't like that comparison though because sometimes they act like dogs but sometimes they're just well behaved and i've met some dogs too that are little monsters oh yeah it depends I on mean, how you raise them. them shout out to remy uh the dog that caitlin and Kami had right before they left their parents house the dog's a rat the only dog i think so far the only dog that has done nothing wrong to me is um the chapman's new dog like that dog Whoa, whoa, what are we doing last names here? Oh, yeah, sorry. Come on. Like, there's been no injury, there's been no sideways looking. I will say, this is something, those cats would not be fond of Caleb, because Caleb is sudden movement central. Oh, so am I, but I've learned how to adapt. And, like I said, how to use my cat voice. Oh, no, I don't want to hear this. Just, so, I'm... The only difference between Dan and I right now, Caleb, is that you and I are ca- uh, parents of children, and Dan is parent of cats. Of cats. And but what is similar is that our wives. Have you noticed that our wives have baby voices when they talk? Like, hey, Lily, hey, Mary. I guess good? so. Yeah. yeah. And he most certainly has a cat. You voice don't have that. a baby voice for uh, Lily. I do. Like I do talk to her more softly, but I don't. I don't. As I would say, I don't patronize her. Yeah. I still talk to her like she's a human. Grayson, Amelia, come here. Like that. Grayson, Amelia, the cats. Yeah. Somebody oh. asked me, wow. for the record, someone asked me why I didn't call Amelia, like, the equivalent of Grayson, and I'm like, well, the equivalent of calling her Grayson would be to call her black daughter, and I'm like, that is just wrong on so many levels. Well, no, the so female equivalent of Grayson is Grayson. It goes both ways. Have you ever met a female Grayson? No. Oh, in college, I knew a guy and a girl named Grayson. I don't Spelled differently, yeah. but same mm. name. I mean, it's got <laughs> sun right in there, so... Caleb shook. I'm just like, where's the skin? Yeah. Well, we're at time, guys! Ah, there's, well, you know what, guys? Do you know why Caleb's cutting us on time? It's not to get, out, get us on the house so he can spend more time with his family or, you know, get us on the house so he can... You know, do something kind and thoughtful. It's so that these five mattresses and box springs that we've been sitting next to this whole episode can get moved by us truly. Oh, that's right. And a couple of things of furniture. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, you didn't get a super. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, Dan, you got to figure out. Um, I mentioned this to Dan and while on our way here. We're gonna. I've decided we're going to come up with a new titling method for interview episodes. So there's a clear delineation between interview and non-interview episode. So this, it's going to be meet Dan the... Yeah, should I give my initial uh, answer that I told you? Do you have a guess based off... This is based off what we've talked about thus far. Uh, high pointer? I don't know. <laughs> He's close. He is. Dan, the guy who gets high. Oh, man. Who likes to get high. Likes to get high. That's even better. 
So yeah, basically anyone who we meet with, we can just do super bland, like meet Dan the accountant, yeah. or yeah. we can meet Dan the guy who likes to get high. Or we can go somewhere in between. I mean, we're definitely not going with Dan the accountant. Yeah. <laughs> we're going <laughs> too stale, <laughs> too corporate. Yeah. <sighs> Dan yeah. the cable guy. <laughs> no, I like Dan the guy who likes to get high. I think it's funny to play on words. It's not too clickbaity. No. It could be real. It is real. (laughs) Are you giving Dan the side eye? Again. Caleb wants to know if you've ever done the marijuana. You can choose to confirm or deny. This is public information. So I interned for a summer in college in Colorado, and let's leave it there. There you go. It's one of those movies that just ends, and you decide how it ends. Exactly. Or show, like The Sopranos. Speaking of New Jersey. (laughs) Shout out. The mob. It's real. I'm sorry, no last names. Tony and his family. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, see, that's the good thing. Caleb said Chapman's and then did not change himself and say their first names. Because then it's like, like, cool, so you just said their first and last name. That's fine. (laughs) All right. Caleb wants us to leave. And by leave, move furniture for him. That's right. Peace.